Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me again for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one is an interesting one. Three tips for saying no. We're also going to have a chat with Christina and we're going to look at some uh, top books on leadership. But right now, we're going to pop over to AV Chartered Accountants and have a chat with Tony Vidray. Good afternoon, Tony. Good afternoon, Julian. I need four tips to say no. Four? Four, yep. You're one of these people that can't say no like me, eh? Correct. The first three times I say yes, and then the fourth time I may actually say, no, I can't do that task. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, this is our last program for the year with, with you, but we'll obviously be back in the new year. But we, yep. we've just recently had that interesting event, the uh, the supercars here, and, and many people rented their homes out for that period of time. So uh, we're going to look at uh, some of the tax implications of renting your home for a month. I thought that I thought it'd be an interesting topic because everyone knows someone who knows someone who uh, knows someone who you know rented out their house for for twenty thousand dollars at the top end of town and um, and as a few people have said, um, what are the what are the tax implications of it? And the tax office um, issued a, a an alert um, probably about six months ago now about um, what, what I call the collaborative um, economy. The um, you know the the Airbnb type scenarios where people are moving out, or they might even rent out their, uh, you know, a room or even their garage or something like that, to remind everyone that um, the income that they are receiving um, is accessible. So I thought we'd work on an example um, today about, say, someone bought a house at, um, in Newcastle East on the first of January 2017, and then for the entire month of November they actually moved out and they received twenty thousand dollars worth of rent. And as, and as soon as the first of December clicked around, they they uh, they moved back in. So what are the the, the yeah, tax implications. implications of that? So clearly, um, the the rent that is received is definitely accessible income. One thing that you've got to be a little bit careful about there is um, the ATO pretty um, particular that the rent is earned by the the people on the trustee. So if a, a property is uh, is owned um, held jointly, um, then in the absence of any other sort of evidence, that rent is split fifty fifty between the the two, um, the parties. two joint owners. Yep, between the two parties. Yeah. Okay. So obviously the income is now. What can I when I claim for deductions? Well, this is where it starts to get a little bit murky and a little bit tricky. Now, um, most people that lodge returns, if it's a normal, you know, mum and dad situation, the first um, basic principle is that everyone's return is done on a cash basis. Okay. So yeah. it's yeah. everything that is actually spent theoretically, in that month. Now, there are a few exceptions um, to that, and it all hinges on, you know, um, how far in advance you, you spent the money. But you, you may have spent some money, say, on getting, you know, locks ready and keys ready and all that sort of stuff in October. Well, those sort of costs are definitely going to be deductible. You may have... The, 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 the money that you spend in getting that property ready um, to rent out will be deductible. So there, there could be a little bit of advertising. There, there could be, you know, some internet signing up um, to Airbnb, let's say that I'll continue to use that as an example. If you use that particular platform, um, even if you went through a real estate agent, there's a lot of preparatory um, costs to get that, that property ready for, for rent. Yeah. They're all going to be deductible. Then it all hinges on, well, what did you actually spend? What did it cost you um, in the month of November? So things like um, interest paid on your on your loan, right? Yeah. So again, assuming that your interest gets paid monthly, the interest for that particular month um, is going to be um, deductible. Yeah. Now, insurances is an interesting one because, um, again, I said it's on a it's on a cash Monthly. basis. So if you're unfortunate enough to pay your insurance.
insurances once per annum on its anniversary, and that anniversary happens to be in you know August, then you can't claim a pro rata because you haven't actually incurred that debt in the month of November. Now, a lot of people these days pay their insurances monthly, monthly. which would be quite sensible to do. <laughs> Under these circumstances, yes. In these circumstances, if you're going to do this sort of stuff regularly, pay, pay your insurances monthly, so that way you're actually able to, to claim something... Um, and even even rates, you know, rates is a funny one. So that, again, if the rate notice happens to fall due and you pay it in the month of November, in this example, it's deductible because you've incurred it in the month while you don't have control of the property. Okay. All right. Now, I'm excited about this. I'm going to refurnish my house. Can I claim that? Oh, yeah. Here's, wh- here's where we start getting into the grey areas, okay? So, so my sh- the short answer to that is, look, you can but then you have to allocate a certain amount for the private use of it, okay? okay. So if you start going out and buying paintings and um, lounges and all that sort of stuff and chairs, and if this, they're quite significant, at the end of the day, you're going to use that for 11 months of the year, and here's where the, here's where the pro rata rules you know, come into, into effect. You, you actually, something is, is deductible to the extent to which it earns accessible income. So okay. that when it's to the extent, then there's going to be a private portion, so... There's okay. going to be some part of that that won't be deductible. Now, now, if I'm running a business from home, which really this is a little bit, um, I, I could be up for capital gains tax. Yeah, that's... And again, this is where it gets really, really murky. I love the, the ATO. They, they, they put these sort of generic statements up saying, and the property may be subject to capital gains tax. Now, in this example that we've just worked, let's say you do it for five years, because you know the supercars are coming here for five years, sure. and let's say that you held the property for five years, you do it every single November, you move out for a month, come back in again, and at the end of five years you sell the property and you've made a capital gain. Now, what they, what they weren't really very clear in, in, um, in, 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 in clarifying is that technically, yeah, that's right, for that one month, so one-twelfth of, of the, the, the capital gain times of five times of five years is technically accessible. However, there is an interesting rule where you can actually make an election because you're actually giving up the property, you're moving out, and if you move into another property and as long as you don't claim that other one as your principal place of residence, you can actually um, elect to continue to treat that Newcastle East property, in this example, as your principal place of residence even though you haven't actually got control of it for that one month. Okay. So at the end of the day, the capital gain will be... 100% 100% tax-free. Okay. Now, this is if you give up the whole property. Where it really gets starts to get murky is if you only rent out a room, uh, yeah. right? because you haven't actually moved out of the house. So, so that election to say, oh, I want to keep treating that property as my principal place of residence only applies if you move out and then you move back in again, <laughs> right? Yeah. But if you actually, if you do that whole example again where it's, you're only renting out a room, you start um, talking about percentages and percentages and pro ratas and floor areas and it starts to get extraordinarily murky. murky. Mm, interesting one. Well, thanks for your time, Tony, and uh, thanks for being part of the program over this uh, 2017 and have a great Christmas. We look forward to chatting with you again in February. My pleasure and, uh, yeah, hope everyone stays safe over the Christmas break as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Tony Vidray there with, yeah, interesting... Uh, ramifications if we did rent our house out during the supercar event or even if we're taking advantage of Airbnb. Time to pop over and have a chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And we've got an interesting subject looking at some top leadership books. 
Yes, well, I, I ran a, um, a leadership workshop yesterday and it was interesting because I always get people to do some reading at the workshop um, and these books came up uh, quite consistently throughout the day. So one of them is Ubuntu um, and it's written by Stephen London and Bob Nelson. So Stephen London, some of your listeners may be familiar um, with the FISH, uh, Fish yeah, Leadership yeah, yeah. Program. So he was he was involved with that and he's actually been to our, um, to our area to do some workshops and some, uh, some talks. But Ubuntu is all about the concept of I am because we are. So all these books that we're going to talk about today have the common theme of unity, we're one, let's work together, teamwork, collaboration, and you know all the, the themes that we constantly talk about around innovation, around leadership constantly. And, you know, I keep thinking, you know, we'll keep talking about them and eventually they'll just reach tipping point and everybody will embrace them and everybody will be doing them um, consistently. But mm. Ubuntu is quite a remarkable book. It's about a, um, some people that go back to Africa and actually notice how the tribes recognise each other, even tribes that may not necessarily agree or that, um, that have the same principles or, or operate in the same ways, they recognise each other. So there's a saying that... that, that some of the um, tribes greet each other with, and it's, I see you. Uh, and that's quite a remarkable um, statement to make. Yeah. You know, yeah, so if, you, if you're actually greeting each other and you go, I see you, it's a, it's a real recognition of um, the person that you're looking at, and it's, it, it makes you have that connection, makes you have that contact. So Ubuntu has many stories about the African um, traditions around teamwork, collaboration, even in cases where people don't don't agree, um, and of course we know there's you know there's lots of, um, of that. yeah 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 you know so <laughs> all we need to do is, is read our own headlines at the moment and, and realise that that um, non-agreement really is wasting a lot of time and a lot of um, precious resources mm-hmm. and that that we could be putting into other things. So the second book, Simon Sinek, author of Start with Why and Find Your Why Now, uh, his book Leaders Eat Last. So the whole concept about um, around Simon's leadership principles, you know, the same thing. It's about recognising that we are better together. He's actually written a really nice little little illustrated book called Better Together. But Leaders Eat Last is you put put forward all your people. If you, and this is a concept that, that it would be fantastic if all leaders would embrace. If my team are striving and succeeding and working to their strengths, doesn't that make us all look better? Aren't we achieving more? Aren't we more productive? Aren't we, you know, ticking off goals? And therefore, don't we look better as a team? Mm. To whatever organisation, you know, who is looking at us in whatever way, whether it's our, our immediate managers or wherever it is, if we're working together, if we're more productive, we look good. So I don't actually, I find it hard sometimes to understand why you wouldn't want your people to shine. I know there's leaders that are quite fearful mm. um, and mm. what, they don't want anyone to outshine them. But I, for me, it would be remarkable if every single person outshined you as a leader, uh, and they were they were achieving things. Because doesn't that mean that you are a terrific leader who's putting people forward, who's empowering people, who's letting people reach their their possibility? And that's what Stephen talks about in Eat As Eat, Eat Last. You know, he says there's no difference between the relationships um, yeah. that you have in the workplace and the relationships that we have with our dearest and nearest in our, in our home lives. And I think, uh, unfortunately, as you say, there's a large number of uh, leaders in Australia that don't put their team ahead, um, mm. that, that don't uh, eat last, as, as you say. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. And, that, you know, and it, it's such a simple concept. And when you talk about it, you go, isn't this a no-brainer? Yeah. yeah. But there's lots of concepts that we can talk about and we go, they're no-brainers. They make so much sense when the words come out of your mouth. But, you know, the fact that everybody isn't practicing them. But it's traditionally because people operate from fearful. the point of fear. Yes. You know, yeah, they're fearful of, of the results, fearful of putting somebody else um, in the limelight. But, you know, I, 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 tot- I dare people to try it just for a week. Put everybody in the limelight get everybody working to their strengths, empower empower everyone to reach their potential and their possibility and see what a difference it makes to the team and see how the team shines. And as a leader, you're going to get recognition for that anyway. Of course, because you're going to get results. That's right, you know, and isn't that what we all want? We all want results, but we all want somewhere where people are happy to come to work. And it's been proven countless times in organisations like Zappos that we've spoken about before that if the bottom line... Um, is not looking good, you can you know, basically go back to your team and go, what's wrong? And you find a miserable team. Bottom line results are, are so much better when the team is happy and the team is working as a cohesive unit and the teams are working together and so not in silos. So who was the author, sorry, of uh, Leaders Eat? Leaders Eat Last is Simon Sinek. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and do you want the third one? Yeah, we've got time. Yeah, we've got time. Okay, all right. So Extreme Ownership um, is written by Jocko Willink and Lisa Babin. I probably have not pronounced their... I've probably done their names and injustice, but they've they've written it from the point of um, Navy SEALs. And the thing thing with any any military organisation, really, is that you have to have each other's back. If you don't have each other's back, if you don't have that commitment to the team, if you're not protecting every single person in your unit, that's dangerous, you yes. know, in, in its extreme form, and that's probably why the book's called Extreme Ownership. Yeah. In its extreme form, that is dangerous. They use that philosophy to discuss leadership, and isn't that, isn't that something, yeah, um, again, you know, you kind of go no-brainer. If hey. we've all got each other's back. And even for small businesses, um, as you, we, we're not going to make it alone. We're going to have to have a team behind us. So, you know, developing those leadership skills becomes very, very important. That's right, and you, it, it, and it, especially for small business because yeah. we're contracting constantly, contracting people in. You know, yeah. um, and, and when you're contracting people in, you really need to maintain that respect and that that belief, and you also need to be very careful of. Um, relationships, how you're talking to people, copyright issues, all that. You know, you just need to treat other people as you want to be treated. And one of the, I mean, again, it's a a no-brainer statement, but there's no bad teams, there's only bad leaders. And there was a study done um, not too long ago. They had had two groups, there were two teams, and one team was known to have... um, a not so crash hot leader, and the other team had a an right. awesome leader. And what they did was they swapped teams because they wanted to find out whether it was in fact, and the they leader. did this without everybody knowing clearly. Um, but they swapped the leaders because they wanted to find out where the results were coming through. And it was as soon as you had a leader that empowered you, the team rose to the challenge. And that doesn't mean okay. that everyone's going to be a team player. Everyone's not meant to be, you know. But yeah. if you treat people the way you want to be treated, and if you empower the team and respect the value of the team, the team usually rises to the occasion. Great. Well, you're off to the States next week, I believe, so we'll have a, we won't have you next week, but uh, the week after we'll come back and hear, hear all the results from the conference that you go over to. Yeah, I'm going to Singularity University to do a, um, a leadership program, so I'm Fantastic. really excited and I can't wait to share it with you. We'll talk to you. Have a safe trip and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Julian. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Christina there with some great books there on leadership. We actually haven't got time for our Harvard Business Review tip because the uh, the three tips for saying no is a little bit long. So we'll keep that one for next week. Um, but thank you for being with me for the last half an hour for the uh, 
program. I hope you've enjoyed it. We've particularly looked at uh, the effect of renting your home out uh, for a period of time during supercar event or something like that and the effect for taxation. We've also looked at some of those interesting top books on leadership, which uh, certainly... Uh, expose us to important facts and figures there. In a moment, uh, Jane Klein will be back with you for more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. So I'd love your company again for Business and the Law next week at the same time. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Conrad Hilton once said, success seems to be connected with action. Successful people keep moving. They make mistakes, but they don't quit. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.